Hello and welcome back to another episode of Let Loose with Moose. Today I have a very interesting guest with me, right? So she has a really interesting style of writing on Twitter. And on her bio, it says, Mad Scientist with a PhD in Immunology. So let's welcome State Queen. Hi, State Queen. How are you doing? Hi, I'm good. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. And I'm super happy to have you on as well. So before we begin, right, usually I like to ask people how they got into crypto, right? Before that, let's hear, I'm a bit curious about how you got into crypto with a background in immunology. Uh, it's safe to say that, that? I'm, a, I'm a successfully onboarded normie. I uh, in my last year of PhD, I learned about a token called IQ for the project Everypedia, which was a surprise for me because it was a token that wasn't Bitcoin or Ethereum. So I was like, "Wow, there's other stuff out there," and they were going to, or at least I was told at the time, they were going to record uh, the results of the election the u.s elections happening at the time on chain and i thought if that is the case if i buy this now it might appreciate in value after the elections so that was kind of like my first entry into crypto mm -hmm. and i became more and more interested in what what crypto's potential use cases might be because I knew of Bitcoin, I knew of Ethereum, but I didn't really understand what it's all for and what the advantages of blockchain technology can be. So I so I so I started reading more and more and more and more and fell fell down the <laughs> rabbit hole and never got out. Here I am. Awesome. And what year was this if you don't mind sharing? That was uh, 2020. Yeah, that was towards the end of 2020. Uh -huh. And then you graduated with that PhD in the same year as well. And then you decided to dive right into crypto. Or like, did you have kind of a little background uh, or like experience working in that field before you dived into crypto? Uh, and during my university years, I bought Bitcoin. Um, very cheaply 2017 and i bought uh, what uh, every university student might need for increased uh, creativity uh, so that was uh, the actual <laughs> okay. uh, first use case i found uh, for crypto but i didn't think much about it at the time i uh, and uh, i did see its value go up and up and up uh along the years and down and down and down and up and up and up but that was pretty much it f as far as my background uh, regarding crypto was mm -hmm. so in, in 2020 you just went straight into crypto or like wait, i invest yeah i invested into um this token in Q. i bought it mm -hmm. and at first so my I bought it with a part of my PhD stipend. 
So I invested like 250 pounds at the time and it became a thousand. So I thought, oh, that's great. I'm going to buy more of these things. So I bought, uh, it was my mom's birthday. So I thought, what do you get a woman who's got everything? You buy her Ethereum, of course. <laughs> so I bought Ethereum at $500 and that became 2K. Uh, I was like, wow, great. I'm going to buy some Chainlink. I'm, I'm going to buy some of this, some of that. And my my small portfolio became very big. It kind of coincided with the bull market hitting. But I was still interested in what's it all for? What's the use case? I didn't really understand why these tokens were valued so much, why people were pumping money into this and not into, you know, immunology. <laughs> why my my PhD supervisor was struggling to, to even secure $10,000 in funding to, you know, cure autoimmune disease. And he had to write up so many grants, justifying so many things. And here people were, were you know, transacting, some wallets were transacting millions to buy these tokens. And um, then I started uh, learning about this protocol called Wonderland. And mm -hmm. people were very, there was like a very vibrant community around it. And I just didn't understand why i was like why does it matter my grandma can live without it um so so i so i kept reading i was i was fighting at heart but i couldn't be very vocal about that because you know people would immediately get angry at you if you question things mm -hmm. and um i i learned about daniel siesta the the man behind wonderland and I absolutely loved the way he talked. I was like, wow, he's got great showmanship. Um, so I, I, it was very entertaining to listen to his AMAs and I tried to understand how the protocol worked. I started writing about it for myself to understand. Uh, but because all the information was on Twitter, I made a Twitter account. And I was like, okay, what should my Twitter name be? There was already the Alice in Wonderland, so I thought I'm just going to be the Red Queen, who's now not evil anymore because she's been staked. Haha, <laughs> so I'm staked queen. <laughs> I see. And, That's how you got your name. Yeah, so now I'm stuck with it. So it is what it is. <laughs> awesome. Right, and then like, so, so you mentioned that you you seen your professor back then having some troubles raising funds and then in in this crypto space right now right like everyone seems to have unlimited funds like would, would you be doing this to give back to immunology in, in the financial sense some sometime in the future or maybe you're even doing it right now right? are you setting up a, a fund to kind of direct some some money towards the research you know in that field I've actually had this conversation uh, with someone working at Consensus, uh, who also has a background in uh, the medical field. And I do think that once the space is more mature, people might be open to the idea of decentralizing science, so to speak, where we can have a 
almost like a DAO um, to direct funds towards research that makes sense to a community or another. Because right now it's all about, you know, it should it should just be about what is the biggest problem impacting the most people and what is the approach that makes sense is uh, cost effective and high probability of giving results. But what in fact happens is uh, you get funding if you know someone who knows someone. Um, Obviously, the research that does get funded is more often than not solid. It's just that everyone is competing for such a small slice when it comes to medical sciences. So I would love it if we could allocate some of the resources on chain. If the when actually the DeFi space mm-hmm. captures more liquidity and uh, we could find a better way to fund research and also for these people to benefit from their own discoveries not just publish a paper and that's it mm-hmm. awesome man and then i mean you you mentioned right that you also moved on to twitter to do writing and i i find your style of writing really interesting right it really takes a creative mind to come up with with the, the things that you write right? the way you write it in fact like, how did you get into that i've always like enjoyed writing so i think the style might come from two different filters slash experiences i used to do stand-up comedy and oh, wow. in stand-up comedy yeah you it's okay if you're not funny, but there's two things you absolutely cannot do. You can't bore the audience. You can't be boring. And number two, you can't be confusing. The audience is going to tolerate anything except for those two things. You cannot bore, you cannot confuse. So I, I've i gotten into the subconscious habit almost of filtering every sentence. Is this boring? Is this confusing? Is this boring? Is this confusing? So part of the quirkiness might stem from that. And the other filter, I actually have synesthesia, which is a condition where you experience a sense through another. It's like people say, oh, that you hear colors, see sounds. Um, that would be a quick way to explain it. Uh, but ever since I was little, I've been personifying absolutely anything. Uh, if you if I stare for you know five minutes at a pack of gum, every piece might look the same to the individual person. To me, they're all different. They have personalities. They're I'll, I'll like start imagining a story about <laughs> them. Um, and from this uh, compulsion to personify absolutely everything around me, without even realizing. Uh, you'll see that in my writing there's a lot of dialogue i personify projects i actually for a while i did um, videos where i would pretend i'm a project and i'm talking about myself and i explain to a user how i work 
<laughs> I, I think I saw that right when I was trying to do some research for the podcast and then going to your profile. You have that link pinned in your in your Twitter bio, right? I went to click on it and it brought me to that page where you were you were doing this little skit thing with different projects, right? Explaining how the things work. I think that was pretty interesting. Yeah, I did. I did those for a while, but because I I travel, it's a bit difficult right now to put together a video, edit it, and all that. So I I find writing to be a lot more convenient. <laughs> Definitely, man. And then, so how how did you go from um, immunology to diving into crypto, and then now you're full time in crypto and writing writing threads, working with agencies and all? At the beginning, I was doing both. I was learning about, uh, mostly about the DeFi space. And at the same time, I was doing research into uh, improving cancer diagnostics on the side. But they were such different worlds that I felt like I was constantly having to sacrifice one for another and i i thought you know what's more important cancer or shit coins and the answer was obvious <laughs> yeah but no jokes aside i actually thought that um if i dedicate my time to understanding the space then i can find better opportunities for scientists to Mm-hmm. fast track their the road to cracking it you know because Maybe right now big lim- yeah because right now the big like funding is such a big limitation mm-hmm. uh during my phd i there was this experiment that took me months to perfect because we just couldn't afford to outsource parts of it and i had to <laughs> sit there like with the pipette and just like do <laughs> very like intricate work that usually people hire a team for but we just couldn't we couldn't even afford the lab technician so it was um there's a lot of motivation for me to um unlock liquidity for the sciences eventually it's a noble cause that you chose to walk down this path instead it's for the great it's degree. what i say to sound I'm just trying to sound cool on your podcast. Like, <laughs> I, I, I'm all about the pump and dump. <laughs> no, I don't say that. Um, all right. It's been in- really interesting to hear your story. I didn't know of this background and, and your so-called quote, greater good thing. And I'm going to be direct moving into the next question, right? I want to hear about your investing framework, right? Like what are the things that you look at before you decide to click that buy button? I'm actually very, very selective when it comes to investments. That's good. Let's hear it. There's only a handful of coins I've I've invested into, not traded, invested, because I find that sometimes there's a fine line between diversifying assets and compulsive shopping. (laughs) So I try to keep it to a handful. I will invest into something that um, 
that I the, so the the one question that it has to answer for me is how many people are going to find this valuable in five years if I'm if I plan on holding it for five years or in a year if I plan on holding it for one year. First is this because no matter how good the tokenomics, no matter how good the tech, if people just don't think it's valuable, they're not going to give it value, they're not going to give it meaning. So this is my number one question. Since I'm from a scientific background, I, I'm a father at heart, I need to look for reasons why it can go to zero. And if I can't find compelling reasons, or if I find that it's more likely to stick around, then that's a um, that's convincing enough for me. So an example, uh, a recent example would be um, got another pudgy penguin because I believe in the fact, I believe that digital art is how we're going to uh, progress in the, in what we say fine art. Right now it's very tricky to host an auction, find the buyer, uh, fine art is highly liquid actually, and digitalized, digital art is just fantastic as a store of value. And that th that was like what um, what drew me in. But then, as I I looked at the community, I looked at uh, where it's going. It just made sense. So that was one thing that I was like, yeah, I'm I'm going to invest into this. There, there's more reasons that have to do with it, but the number one was I do think that in five years people are going to find this valuable. Right. Maybe you could elaborate a little bit more on what is in your thought process, right? What do you look at to think whether people, other people would think that this is valuable in, let's say, one year time or five years time? And there's... What are some oh, the, the factors depend... that affect that? Yeah. Mm, depending, on, depending on the context, there's, there's various reasons. So whether we're talking about an NFT, whether we're talking about... Uh, a token, whether we're talking about a blockchain, um, a piece of technology, but ultimately I can give you a few examples. One of them is uh, buy high and sell higher. So has that asset already uh, stood the test of time and did people find use for it? So while we were in the bear market, what I was looking for is whether the protocol was cash flow positive in a bear market and or if it had enough runway to sustain itself until market conditions improve. Mm -hmm. And uh, does, it, does it solve an existing pain point? How many people are, does it impact? Does it save people money, time, or ideally both? And is the is it straightforward to access? If it answers these questions, then I will be very interested. I see. And this is more for tokens, right? Projects? Uh, yes, this would be more for tokens, projects. 
if we're talking about NFTs, then it's a bit, if we're talking about art, then I would have other questions on my mind. I think that's interesting because I've never been good at NFTs, right? I mean, the listeners will know that I've been been soft rubbed by for my first purchase on chain, which is an NFT, right? Right. So, never been good at, at NFTs. Is I've been literally throwing money and burning them away. So, would be nice to learn and hear your thoughts on that. We could do a quick sharing. Uh huh. Of course, of course. I've also been burned by NFTs, but only when I tried trading them, not investing into them. So I would see that um, an NFT collection has a lot of volume. Uh, it seems like there's a lot going on and the floor price would keep going up and up and up. And the moment I buy them, it's like the market knows and says, OK, <laughs> now we stop. <laughs> you just bought the top. Congratulations. Um, so if if I was looking to flip, then that's when I would get burned. However, um, if I uh, I I only bought so I I got the Paiji penguins, I got Dokyo, uh, which is a collection on Avalanche. I believe in the I, I believe that uh, the Avalanche ecosystem is gonna experience quite the boom and every chain needs their own azuki their own um, star nft and i i looked at this collection and i thought wow <laughs> you know th this has a lot of potential i use myself as a, as a i use my own internal compass to decide is this art is this something that could potentially appeal uh, to a mass of people, and that collection in particular stood out to me. Of course, uh, the this is highly subjective, but I can just look at it for a long time and not get bored, which is how I look at art, <laughs> and that that's the number one um, factor for me when I look at things from an art perspective. So I, I, I wouldn't, I, I would, yeah. yeah, I wouldn't call myself a, an NFT expert by <laughs> any means. Um, I would be highly, highly selective when it comes to NFT collections because I think they also proved it that most people just lost money and it was like, what's like less than 1% of wallets made a profit overall by trading nfts so i would only go into something if there was really high conviction and i can only say that for maybe one two collections yeah i think that statement is true because i am most people <laughs> <laughs> i think you you mentioned really great stuff there and one particular sentence caught my attention you mentioned that you think that the AVEX ecosystem has has potential. I would like to hear you elaborate on that, right? Is it more on the when you talk about that, is it more on the um DeFi side or the NFT side or or just in general as a chain? More activity, more volume. No, let's hear it from you. In general as a chain, it's um because of uh its infrastructure 
like with any chain, you never know which application is really going to put it on the map. But when it comes to the Avalanche ecosystem, there's several that right now have potential. I Many people don't know this, I didn't know this, but uh, the Avalanche ecosystem was built for a specific purpose, and that was to bring uh, around 700 trillion real-world assets on-chain. And it was built to be able to sustain that. Just the, how you have blockchains that are specifically built for gaming. Avalanche was built for this. It just so happens that it can also uh, sustain gaming platforms thanks to the fact that it has subnets. And the, these are kind of like customizable blockchains. So a developer can deploy any solution that fits their needs using Avalanche, and they can rely they can rely on almost near instant finality, low transaction fees, good security, and also a community that's been there is there. Uh, they're very good at managing the resources. And I'm seeing some activity that's making me more and more interested in the entire ecosystem. And I would, and I, it is likely that one, two more of them is going to put it properly on the map. I see, I see. Right, that's interesting, man, because I have. Because I have heard like quite a few people are talking about Avalanche ecosystem as well, but personally I have not looked into it, but I think it's something worth exploring, even that multiple people like yourself are mentioning it, right? Um, yeah, I, I personally didn't know a lot about it. And then last month I started researching more and more. Uh, it just so happened that today I, I did a piece about it, uh, about the narrative of Avalanche becoming the, the Forex chain. They have uh, this protocol, Kanza Finance, that just launched Baki, which is a uh, platform for African stablecoins. Many people don't know, but right now, if it, it's very hard to facilitate transactions between the 54 different African countries. And if you do want to make those uh, foreign exchanges, sometimes you can incur slippage as high as 40%. Um, and especially when you make small transactions, it's ridiculous. So they are doing a great job at uh, slowly enabling global transactions where you know people just don't get screwed over as uh, to put it very eloquently so what 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 was the protocol name again what finance kanza c uh, c a n z a oh, c a n z a all right we'll take a look at, into that all right and then i think since you're talking always about um liquidity right you mentioned that a few times at the start what do you think 
is missing in crypto for for this mass adoption or like for liquidity to come in or, or maybe stay in here right Let, let's hear your thoughts on that so i think that liquidity will keep coming into crypto and going out until there is a compelling reason for it to stick around if we look at the every single cycle we can see that some protocols still maintained some liquidity there was some stickiness to them um the i the, the project never went to zero and it came back and it bounced and um i think that money will come in come out come in come out and more and more will start sticking around uh, as more things are built that have real use case are we there yet where money is just going to come in and stay no and it's never going to be the case there's always going to be movement but i think we're going the right direction mass adoption i think vitalik said that uh it's going to be very hard to go from that 10 percent to 70 percent or even below and i don't think the future is as grim i think that we are seeing a shift in power between people who are um in who are for traditional finance and people who start appreciating what web3 what defi can do for the financial landscape so i don't know if what is missing is the right question because right now we in my opinion at least we are very much on the right track it's just a, a, a matter of optimizing, finding uh, more secure solutions, uh, making people feel comfortable using the applications, making them intuitive, and also giving crypto a slightly better reputation because a lot of people just know about existing scams or dark web so i do think we're we're on the right track because more and more people are writing about it educating other people so i'm personally very optimistic mm -hmm. i mean maybe to to tweak the question a little bit then what do you see right that can get liquidity to to the money to stay in the ecosystem in DeFi or in crypto so one is um good good tokenomics is a factor um a way to make platforms secure in that sense real like actual use case pretty much if if somebody realizes how much time and money they save uh using stable coin swaps rather than going to your local 
for an exchange, then that will definitely uh, totally. increase stickiness. So awareness coupled with low fees, I think that would be the way. In the case of, but this is like case by case. So perp Texas, for example, have some time to go like they would need to find a way to lower fees as much as possible to the point that you wouldn't go through a um, broker that requires you to kyc uh that um, you know we have i don't know how much spread so honestly it all boils down to does it save people time and money and if yes, the only thing is make people aware that is the case. And that 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 is the simp the very overly simplified recipe of making liquidity stay. Awesome. Love to hear the thoughts, man. Um, and then my next question would then be is there anything that excites you right now within crypto, within DeFi specifically? Yes. Um it would be cruel to pick only one thing, but I will try. <laughs> I guess the, um, how capital efficient you can be. It's a combination of um, how liquid you can make an asset and uh, how and com composability. So th this would be the a soup that I'm <laughs> I'm stirring right now, trying to pick pick uh, one ingredient out that stands out. <laughs> But yeah, capital efficiency, because right now, okay, I, I have a I have a house and if I want to take a loan against it, I have to do so much paperwork. I have to be a specific age. I need to show proof of employment. There's so many like uh, boxes I have to tick. Then I have to go through a third party, fourth party, fifth party. Uh, I have to pay them to say, okay, <laughs> you may you may proceed. <laughs> and then I take the loan and then there's like a, a lot of, um, it's complicated. And the house itself is a highly illiquid asset because if I, I can say, okay, the value is let's say 100K. If I, if I need that 100K tomorrow, Tough luck, you know, I, I'm not gonna just like flip it. Uh, mm -hmm. But with uh, with DeFi, you know, you can uh, deposit USDC as collateral. You can, you can take a loan again. So even better, you can take a loan against an asset like Ethereum. And then if you're in a bull market, the loan repays itself. Whoa, that, 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 that's brilliant. And if you go through, or chain you have uh, zero interest no liquidations everything's great uh, so it's opportunities like these that just really excite me and blow my mind to be honest because i i didn't know that was possible and some people said you know what we're 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 gonna do stuff with our heads and come up with these solutions and now it's possible hey <laughs> so that's great I think that's definitely great, right? To save time, right? Have more liquidity. All right then, and then, um, I'm not sure how much of a trader you are or how much of a macro person you are, but I would like to hear your thoughts on the markets for the next six months. 
or like moving into 2024 where do you think where do you see us going up or down sideways I am learning how to trade forex. I say I'm learning because I I will I would not call myself a trader probably ever. Um out of respect for people who've been doing this for many 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 years. Um but from my let's say limited understanding I would say that um so I the reason why I'm reluctant to talk about this is because I was so sure that uh, the dollar is like DXY is going to go down, 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 down throughout this year. And it's been going up, 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 up. <laughs> and um, I decided, you know what, I'm going to suspend judgment on that and not look at, uh, not take a six month outlook, but just look one month at a time, one month at a time. And um, for the for the crypto markets for bitcoin and ethereum i actually i wouldn't be surprised if bitcoin stagnates and ethereum sees a huge bump in 2024 or at least um relatively overcomes uh ah, words is there any reason why so, you think that way um, I wish I had a so I wish I had a chart in front of me to to show you the the imaginary lines that uh, people put on charts and say yes the the price is gonna bounce the bounce is gonna do this or that um, but as to why is because of uh, maybe belief maybe insider information maybe a crystal globe. Um, that tells me that people with a lot of money are more more interested in Ethereum than Bitcoin. And we might perhaps, who knows, see um, a lot of uh, liquidity coming in that direction. I'm excited to see how it plays out, right? And I'll be happy if, if that comes true because I do not hold any Bitcoin. So it'd be a good thing for <laughs> myself. <laughs> Yeah, neither neither do I. I um I never invested into Bitcoin because of that that original question I was pursuing, which was what does it do? <laughs> Where does it matter? But I was compelled by Ethereum because there's actually things built on there that people think are valuable. So they will there is incentive for with money to keep it alive as opposed to bitcoin when where i personally didn't find compelling reasons to become interested in it perhaps this is my ignorance but it did not seem to me that people are interested in building there that there's a genuine like excited community but perhaps you might have a different opinion but I think they're selling you the thought of digital gold, man. It's obvious. <laughs> Bitcoin equals digital gold. Yeah, but uh, I, I think I agree on the points where you say they're not building anything on Bitcoin because it's not meant to be that way, right? They're not supposed to build much on top of Bitcoin network. Um, 
But then if you, because I, I still hold the thought that Bitcoin price will go up, right? I'm not saying that it's not going to go up. It, it will go up. But um, I think for ourselves, right, people like us, we're more interested in, in Ethereum because of what it can do. Like there's so much more functionalities. Um, On Bitcoin side of things, price will go up because the the supply will be decreasing while the demand will be increasing right like where we have institutional flows in and the next retail wave comes in people who are not in the crypto yet they will like bitcoin will be the first thing that they kind of hear about right everyone heard about bitcoin even though like even my parents or grandparents might have heard of bitcoin right but they might not be um in the crypto space or holding any crypto right now but definitely they heard of it so it's like the closest thing or the first thing that comes to mind yeah for sure i agree with that i do think that at least for the for the near future people will look at bitcoin and think digital gold value and certainly um yeah i i, I wouldn't be surprised if it value keeps going up and that is everyone's uh point of entry let's say at the same time looking at a 20 30 year perspective i i'd feel more comfortable with something like ethereum because right now if you come up to me and you give me five lingots of gold i don't know what to do with them <laughs> What do I do? Where do I go? Who do I give them to? I can't even get them through the airport. That's tricky. Give them under the pillow. Yeah. So I don't know if digital gold uh, will be seen similarly or not in the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Like, time will tell. And I think I've pretty much covered everything I want to cover for the crypto side of things right now. Let's kind of get to know a bit more about you. And the first off would be, could you bring us through a day in the life of Stake Queen? Do you travel every other week moving countries or like how does your day, typical day go? Let's bring us through it, man. Uh, that depends. So right now I'm in Thailand and I'm, I'm settled here for a couple of months. And I have quite a... Um, quite a work routine let's say where i wake up i take a cold shower have my coffee do a little bit of writing go to the gym come back do some more do some more writing if it's a if it's a thursday i'm looking at the forex markets to see if i can get a nice long or short on euro dollar and then I unwind with my favorite anime series at the time. That would be like a typical I'm here to build stuff kind of routine and uh, work mode. When that doesn't happen, I'm traveling, I'm exploring the area, uh, finding out what the nicest local food is, what's there to see. So it's a combination of typical day of predictable routine and I have no idea where the day is going mm -hmm. to take me. So fixed work days and then exploring the country in the rest of the time. 
basically or it can be that uh i wake up and it the day takes me by surprise that can also be a thing mm -hmm. and you mentioned you like to watch anime in your free time like what are you watching right let's say right now right now i'm watching um uh what's it called there's this um there's this anime with a teacher that they need to assassinate their teacher and i forgot the name i don't know if that rings a bell but i will is, tell you what i is the teacher like a yellow alien yes 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 that's the one assassination classroom i think it's quite a, yes. quite a few years ago yes. right Yes, that is what I'm watching, but I'll tell you what I watched uh -huh. just before that, and I think everyone should watch if they want to avoid poverty. <laughs> it's a brilliant anime. Like, watch this anime if you want to be rich, strong, uh, deadlift 100 kilos and bite all the dogs uh -huh. in the neighborhood. It's called Blue Lock, and every single person on the planet should watch this anime. It's just filled with good wisdom quotes is really gripping it's just brilliant whether you like anime or not i'm not going to show you pudgies i'm not going to show you rune i'm not going to show you any crypto investment watch blue lock this is financial advice watch blue lock <laughs> i've never seen someone show blue lock that hard i haven't watched oh yes it, but, yeah but i uh, i know what ah and this is this is how you're gonna become like a full-time crypto millionaire you watch blue lock that's gonna make <laughs> the change that is that is the missing piece <laughs> all right guys you heard her go watch blue lock then <laughs> yeah and then my, my next question to you would then be what is your greatest takeaway from being in crypto so we kind of touched on that in the sense that crypto allows you to make your assets liquid mm -hmm. that that we can have a financial system where you can access capital immediately that would be the my biggest takeaway that you can take a loan against an asset immediately and potentially like I, the way we've been talking about real world assets on chain you can make virtually anything out there that people deem as valuable highly liquid and this is enabled by uh, blockchain and you can do it in a permissionless manner you don't need a third party and all of these features would be i guess my biggest takeaway from crypto because crypto uniquely at least right now enables us to do these things liquidity is king to you or, or queen in that sense <laughs> yes touche awesome and then i would like to hear one piece of advice that you would like to give for your younger self don't spend all of that bitcoin in university <laughs> Keep some of it. <laughs> it was a hundred dollars. <laughs> Keep it. Um, no, one one advice would actually be to get financially educated earlier on. I I was actually highly I, I wasn't this interested in the financial landscape until 
starting to learn about the Web3 space and decentralized finance. And one piece of advice I would give to my even 15-year-old self is get educated about finance early on. Get educated about marketing. Learn about these things from... Um, and I would give myself a, li a list of resources because um, not all resources can inspire you to further pursue something. Awesome. So that would be my advice to my younger self. Great advice right there. All right, and thank you so much, State Queen. To to end this off, right, I would like to pose to you the final question where could you give me three names as guest nominations to come on the podcast in future? I will mention my current three favorite girls then. Go ahead. And these are Cryptolin. I love her sense of humor. Mm -hmm. Would love to hear from her. Then uh there are two wonderful girls that I discovered at the same time, and they are Mara Blossom. And I might be butchering her name because I've only read it. I didn't hear it out loud. Uh, Sarah Idosa. Uh, they are both um, collabor uh, collaborating on a project called Women in DeFi. And they're trying to, they, they started with uh, African countries and they plan to onboard um, women in the DeFi space and they're actually brilliant storytellers as well so would like to nominate them awesome I think that's great to to bring on more female speakers I think the audience would really enjoy that as well all right uh, thank you State Queen for coming on and sharing all your insights and thoughts I really appreciate you taking the time um, for those who are interested right please do check her Twitter out, I'll link it down below. She does really, really interesting manners of uh, writing their threads and getting information across. So do check her out and thank you for tuning into this episode. We will see you in the next episode. That brings us to the end of this episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Before you go, do remember to give us a thumbs up and hit the subscribe button so you never miss a thing. Comment down below what you liked about this episode, who you would like me to interview next, or any topics that you want to learn more about. Until next time, this is Moose moving out.